Ejlum surveyed their surroundings as the couple slowed their pace. The goblin's purpose is forfeit. If you are not captured, you know they will be looking for us. EJ and Fiona made their way through the forest to where the headwaters of the Vodla River branched. Fiona threw herself down into the shallow stream, tear-filled and exhausted. We are far enough ahead for a short rest, EJ said, turning to Fiona. She lay thrashing around, trying to rinse off the slimy coating that stuck everywhere. EJ handed her a tin of soap he'd brought along in his belt pack. Fiona gladly took it and started scrubbing. Lord knows what kind of affliction festers in such filth, Fiona mumbled in agitation. She picked up a handful of clean gravel and pressed it into the soap and started scraping herself. Your suffering was not at the hands of my brother, Fiona, E.J. sadly explained. I know, that, that could not have been our Rovash, Fiona agreed. He had some kind of charm in his voice that blinded me. That is the dragon's magic. Dragons can trick the mind into doing their bidding, Ejlum calmly replied. He held Fiona steady while she washed her legs. I knew something was not right when he refused his sword. Fiona coughed through more tears. It is not your fault, my love. No one can resist a dragon, and this one is not common. E.J. washed Fiona's back. Since it was too late to keep his clothes dry, he sat down in the stream with her to comfort her. So your journey to see the king was successful then, Fiona anxiously asked. Yes, King Alinduil turns out to be a sympathetic heart. He watches the hidden realms around us and into the future with the Seer Stone. When we first met him, he had just woke from centuries past. The king seems better now as time catches up with him. E.J. weakly smiled at that. In the beginning, his wisdom was not what I wanted to hear. It was what I needed to hear nonetheless. E.J. said, grieved to explain. The dragon is the reborn Lord Sermanos of ancient times, the fallen mad god, and he cannot be defeated in any ordinary way. When your papa told us the cult was calling the Lord back from death, I would not have believed it possible. War is upon us, my love, E.J.'s voice trailed off. He anxiously hugged her to himself, remembering things he dared not reveal. Please, always be strong for me, was all he could say. We have not faced the worst of it. Fiona slid down the front of him, submerging herself in the water. She managed to wash off the last bits of the reddish dye, leaving her a light pinkish color. The garish markings that had been cut into her legs and back and arms showed like black scars. She clawed at one on her right arm. 
What have they done to me? Fiona's voice keened. Ageland stopped her hand. It has to be the least of our worries right now. Fiona helplessly looked into his eyes. Ageland felt the pain of the evil markings and what they represented. He gently squeezed her hand, not knowing what else he could do for it at this moment. Do they hurt? He asked, inspecting her forearm. Not so much anymore. I wonder how long I was unconscious in that cage. Fiona scowled at her arms again. You were gone for five days, my love. I ran as fast as I could. He sadly shook his head as their eyes locked. Oh, gods, Fiona looked like she was going to cry again as she buried her face in his shoulder. I love you, Edlam. She lay on his chest, half under the water, cooling the stinging in her nose. We are moving. I mean, Dakin and the men of the fort are preparing a place. It will be a new base. It is through the pass at Etten Falls. We cannot go back to the fort, Fiona. The goblins will be searching for you, E.J. said, gently consoling her. We must get moving, he said soberly, feeling the pressure of time upon them. Are we going to be okay? Fiona let out a sigh. Silence was her only answer. Ejlam hoped nothing had hindered the soldiers as he stood up draining water back into the shallow river. Ugh, too wet, he grimaced. I am naked, Fiona whined. Yes, you are, E.J. said from the edge of the water, slogging around in his waterlogged boots. I should like to join you in such freedom. He stood with his arms out in an undignified manner, looking like a drowned cat. Fiona smirked at him, knowing how much he hated clothes in the first place. He tried to smile playfully in her direction as he searched the ground around them. In finding a short handle of rope hidden among the rocks, E.J. heroically pulled a hidden cache out of the ground. Dakin has not failed us yet. He gave her a triumphant glance, trying to bring some humor into the conversation. It is not working for you, Fiona knocked into him as she reached down to pull out some dry clothes and gear. E.J. feigned disappointment. They both broke into weak smiles. Ejlam pulled his leathers on over his wet tunic and buckled on his quiver and swords. He then helped Fiona secure her new armor. He was happy to find it fit her perfectly. Our kin are not so lucky, Fiona whispered, breaking the silence. I know. E.J. regarded her with a serious face. He gently kissed her nose as he took her soft fingers and wove them into his own. We will do all we can. They touched foreheads in a short pause to gather resolve. E.J. and Fiona started the long journey following south along the mountain valley. Heaviness filled both their hearts as they came to the realization that their lives were forever changed. E.J. and Fiona have escaped. Their lives are changed by what they have learned of the shadow cult. That evil has been loosed upon the realm. You can't stuff that cat back in a bag. 
You are listening to Tales of Eldalorn, and I am your author, narrator, Carly Bond. Today I am reading for you Chapter 42, Spirit of Fire. Nolan knew that after she birthed, the Dragon Lord would kill her. He might even think to take the unborn from her belly to incubate in breeding troughs, but she thought that might be too risky. He needed the little one alive. It wasn't her own death she feared, so much as her child being used by that monster. The mute servant men regarded her now as only property of their lord. She asked for food and they dutifully fed her. The heavy, crude metal collar and chain leash tore into her skin, causing her bruising. Why do you hurt me so? Nolan pleaded. Am I not still your queen? She demanded fealty where there was none. They worked around her, not looking at her. She knew they could hear her cries, but they feared their master. The war outside took the dragon and Lord Sermanos into the lands. She hoped they'd be gone long enough to find a way to end her own life. She pretended she was enthralled again. She demanded to walk around. She asked for clothes. The men guarded and watched her coldly as they performed their duties and ignored all her wishes. As the days passed, two of the servants seemed to show signs of pity. Her only desire was to go to the barren garden of the well, so she could throw herself in. She prayed her chains would break her neck as she plunged into the well's abyss. She kept her plan in front of her mind as she begged to see her stars again. One day, without hesitation, her men consented to bring her to the well. In utter despair, Nolan knelt with her swollen face pressed into the cold stone. She turned her eyes to the sky. She would soon stand up and throw herself down into the well. She would not fight the true death as it came for her. She regretted leaving her Rovash alone in this, but for their unborn she could not risk living any longer. Nolan did not care what happened to her. She only knew she could not give that monster her offspring. She would not give him the pleasure of killing her himself. Her mind swirled to anger and then back to despair as she tried not to think of Rovash and how badly she had failed him. She knew now she had lost him forever. Our unborn shall lay with me in a true death. Nolan consoled herself as another blinding gush of tears rolled down her face. She stood up and looked at the stars for one last time. Please, lords of my ancestors, show mercy, break my neck for a quick death. Nolan silently prayed. At that moment, two of the men started to fight. One of the guards startled her by shoving something into her hands and then forcibly tossing her into the well. The exchange happened so fast, Nolan didn't have time to think. The neck chains fell loose along with her as she gasped in a huge breath and dropped into the black-tainted water. 
On full alert, Nolan found herself encumbered by the weight of the heavy chain, dragging her helplessly down to the bottom. Instinctively, she struggled against the metal collar. Her rescuers had saved her old supply belt. Fumbling quickly, Nolan opened the container of water breathe and jammed some of it into her nose, giving her time to think. Nolan heard bodies splash into the water above. She did not know if they were dead or coming to take her back. Nolan's fingers worked frantically in the pack, looking for a key. There has to be a key. Her hand painfully jagged on a sharp edge of something inside the pocket before she finally found it. The heavy metal collar came loose from around her neck. It dropped to the bottom, stirring up a torrent of filth. Free now, Nolan swam to the grate with her eyes jammed shut, knowing it would be there. She blindly pulled herself into the bars only to find a swollen belly stopped her. Whomever these men were, they had not thought this plan through well enough. Nolan grouched as she struggled to back herself out of the grating. They probably just died and their bodies were flung down into the well. Her mind reeled in frustration. Her brain fired angrily as she struggled with her only way to escape. One of the bars wiggled as she jerked on it. Planting her feet against the slippery stone wall, Nolan yanked hard and the grate burst open. The momentum propelled her backward into the deep, slimy bottom. Nolan tried not to retch as stringy silt swirled up and tangled around her body. Feeling around, she quickly found the opening and pulled herself toward the cleaner source stream. The thick slime propelled her forward through the tight, smooth rocks as she knew it would. This time, Nolan held on to a metal bar as a weapon. No stopping to speak to dragons as I escape this madness, Nolan reminded herself as the water bubbles slowly carried her upward. Torchlight flickered against the cave walls as Nolan surfaced. She could see four cultists standing in the dim light of the bathing room. She assumed they were waiting for her. She burst out of the water wild-eyed and fully prepared to kill them all if they tried to retake her. The men cowered submissively, fully expecting her retribution if she could not understand what they were trying to do. She could see they were not behaving like guards that she knew of. Nolan lowered her weapon. They could not speak, so they motioned that they had brought her clothes. Who are you? Nolan asked of the youngest of them who held the light. She could clearly see his face. It seemed to her this cultist fanatic was barely older than a boy. Nolan stood her ground as he reached up and gently ran his finger down the edge of her ear. She saw the tears welling up in his eyes. So you are a friend? she asked. He sadly nodded yes to answer her question. You know of elves? He nodded again, yes. The one with the scar on his chin handed Nolan a scrolled paper that he had kept hidden in his robe. The document was surprisingly well written in common Edelin. Their writings explained that they were part of the royal guard that had been captured. They stayed alive as best they could 
to infiltrate and rescue the one they had been guarding. When Nolan had saved her life by helping her escape, they thought their duties complete, but then Nolan was brought back by the mouth of the dragon. In hearing of this, they vowed to help her if they could find a way. The document included transcribed words to each man's loved ones. None expected to live through this. She is the queen's daughter? Nolan was horrified. Those monsters tried to defile her? The men groaned in anguish at the thought of their princess being hurt in any way. She did escape and was probably found by our guard. They were posted outside waiting our return. Nolan suddenly grew quiet as she realized so much time had passed. She didn't know if the guard would have still been there waiting for them. I'm sure she's safe, she tried to reassure their hope as she quickly nodded to all four men. How do we get out of here then? Nolan's eyes looked fearfully at each of them as she said it. The Darjeeling half of her condition was causing her much discomfort and the inability to protect herself. Nolan held a hope that these men could successfully escort her out of this place. You have worked out the rest of the plan, right? She put her hand on her swollen belly, signifying her weakened condition. After a quick bathing off of the rest of the slime, Nolan allowed herself to be put back in chains, to be led back into the dark palace. The cavern was echoing loudly. She could hear Hysi and goblins shuffling around the forges, arguing about making weapons. The palace was full of cultists skittering around in their identical robes and painted faces. The newly indoctrinated moaned from their self-inflicted pain in the dark rooms. Nothing seemed amiss, as Nolan was led unnoticed from the bath to her lord's private quarters attended by four guards. Throughout all her time here, she had walked these halls, looking at every stone and into every shaded corner, and never found a doorway of escape. Rovash was sure there had to be one. Even the dragon's magic could not stop her from trying. Deep in her mind, she knew it was important. The men had discovered the western door. It was a hidden panel of stone behind one of the enormous tapestries that hung against the wall in the private quarters. They removed Nolan's neck collar and hid it under the bed and led her to the exit. She was shocked that the escape was always so close within her touch. Her amazement was short-lived as the sounds of shouting reached her ears. Sermanos, the dragon lord, he has returned, she said anxiously. The noise rose up from the caverns until it reached into the palace. Nolan was terrified as the men worked under the hanging rug. They firmly pressed the stones in the correct order to open the door. The code did not work. Do not panic. Concentrate, please. Nolan urged them to try again. Her voice cracked with fear. She could hear the bellowing of the monster as he entered the Iron Palace gate, nervously putting her hand into her pack. 
She found the wizard runes and remembered their power. Come here, quickly! Nolan beckoned the men into the corner behind her against the wall. She spread the runes down on the floor in front of her, hoping to create an invisible barrier. Absolute quiet, she whispered. With her hands clamping her own mouth shut, her eyes widened in horror as she watched Sermanos enter the room. His face darkened with rage when he saw she was gone. He suddenly stopped and sniffed the air like a serpent he moved, floating across the room towards the bed. With his eyes shifting around, he crept closer to where Nolan stood, paralyzed in fear. She closed her eyes and prayed. They must have taken the she-elf to her bloody stars. Her scent here is strong, Sermanus growled to himself, scowling just inches from Nolan's face, where she silently stood holding her breath. He could smell something else. Fear, he thought. The men clung plastered to the wall in sheer terror. His eyes narrowed as if to see them. She had better be there, he hissed. As Zermanos turned, walking quickly out the door towards Nolan's favorite place in the dead gardens of the well. Hurry, Nolan's body shook uncontrollably. We have no time, her voice squeaked. The youngest man visibly took a deep breath and tried the lock order again. The stones were hard to press, but this time the heavy door mechanism clunked and slowly swung open. They jumped through, pushing the heavy door closed behind them. The younger man gave Nolan her old clothes that he had been carrying. She couldn't wear her old leggings. Her shirt and leather cuirass were hopelessly torn across the back, so she discarded them as well. She slung her gear belt over one shoulder and across her chest and was prepared to run naked. The men dropped their robes. Nolan saw they were wearing light armor and had weapons. She grabbed one of the robes and pulled it on to cover herself. They all ran leaping down a stone stairway, hidden in the side of the mountain. He is ruthless in battle, Nolan cautioned, trying to catch her breath. He is deadly, Edleth. He can move faster than humans. He will catch us. So they ran for their lives hurtling around rocks down a long, winding path that led to the lower Etten fields. Oh, the fragility of the human race, so easily torn apart by the evil of the shadow cult and its ruthless leader. Lord Sermanos. His mind seems to be split between his own survival and the complete destruction of the Angheli kingdom and all the humans and elves involved. I feel like we've heard this song before. If it weren't for his human enablers and their dark ambitions, Lord Sermanos never would have made it this far. I guess I will never understand why people have to be so mean-spirited in the first place as to bring this plague upon their own kind. Such is the twisted nature of a destructive cult. Just remember, 
If you find yourself brandishing weapons among polite society, you might want to rethink your actions. With that said, let's all take a breath, and hopefully we'll see you next week. This is Carly Bond signing out.